Okay, people. So it is time for another echo chamber, baby. That's how we do. And as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 7th to the 9th of April. Yup, yup, yup. So, people, in at number 10 this week, we have got Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. So, this is from directors Joel Crawford and Janelle Macedo. And it is written by Paul Fisher and Tommy Swerdlow. We've got Antonio Banderas, Salma Hayek, Harvey Gullum, Florence Pugh, Olivia Coleman, Ray Winston, Samson Keo, John Maloney, Divine Joy Randolph, all throwing their voices into the mix. At number nine, it's Michael B. Jordan's Creed Free, which is written by Keegan Kugler and Zach Balin. Starring Michael B. Jordan, Tessa Thompson, Jonathan Majors, Wood Harris, Felicia Rashad, Miller Davis Kent, Jose Banadires, Celeste Levea, Florian Montaigne. Okay, so at number eight, right, it is Scream 6. This is from Matt Bet Bet Betnelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. And it is written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Buzik. We have got Courtney Cox, Jenna Ortega, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Melissa Beria, uh, Mason Gooding, Hayden Pantanera. Dawan Nicoda, Josh Segura. Okay, so that means, people, at number seven, we have got Shazam, Fury of the Gods. This is from director David F. Sandberg, and it's written by Bill Parker, Chris Morgan, and Henry Gayden. We've got Zachary Levi, Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren, Grace Caroline Curry, Rachel Ziegler, Megan Good, Adam Brody, Dear John Hewson, Deirdrick Badar, Ashia Angle, Marta Millians, Russ Butler, PJ Byrne, Cooper Andrews, right? Jack Dylan Grazer. So, that puts our number six film this week as Moomies, right? This is from Jean um, Jesus Garcia Galucha, and it is written by Javier Lopez Vieira and Judy Gazelli. We've got... Um, Scarbaron, Anna Esther Alborg, Louise P. 
Piera Rihanna, Maria Luisa Sola, Jumi uh, Sola, Jose Luis Medivalia, all giving their voices to the piece. So we are now in our top five people. And at number five, it is the Pope's Exorcist. This is from Julius Avery, written by Evan Spotopolopoulos and Michael Petroni. Um, it is starring Russell Crowe, Daniel Zal. Zavalotta, Alex Essio, and Franco Nero. At number four, it's the new one from Ben Affleck, written by Alex Convey. It's Air, right? The film stars Affleck, Matt Damon, Jason Bateman, Marlon Waynes, Chris Messina, Chris Tucker, and Viola Davis. So, at number three, still doing its thing in the top ten, it is John Wick Chapter Four. We talk, we spoke about this film about three weeks ago. I feel it was three weeks ago, maybe four. Who knows? Time flies, right? This is from Chad Stakiski. And it is written by Michael Finch and Shay Hatton. Um, with Derek Colstead doing his thing as well. Starring Keanu Reeves, Bill Skarsgård, Lawrence Fishburne, the late, great Lance Reddick. We've got Ian McShane, Scott Adkins, Rena Swayama, um, Shamar Anderson, Hiroki Sanda. Um, Donnie Yen, Amy Kwan, Natalie Tenner, Marco Zazor. Right, this is our uh, people. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Go watch everyone I've told to go see. They've come back to me and said, Yo, the film was dope for real people. That's what's been happening. Okay. Number two, it is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves, right? John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein direct with Michael Gilio and John Francis Daly on the screenplay. It's starring Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggie Jean Page, Justice Smith. Sophia Lillis, Hugh Grant, Chloe Coleman, Jason Wong, Daisy Head, Sophia Eleni, Brian Larkin. You know what I mean? So, right, I think you know what the number one film is this week, people. Right? Supposedly, it's got the biggest opening from a computer game adaptation. Yep. That's right, people. It's the Super Mario Brothers movie. So, Matthew Fogel wrote the script. Aaron Horvath and Michael Jelenic direct. 
Um, we've got Chris Pratt, Charlie Day, Anna Taylor Joy, Jack Black, Keegan Michael Key, Seth Rogen, and Fred Armisen starring in the joint. So, um, yeah, there you go, people. That's a top 10. I think we need to get into this week's film, shall we? Let's go. Okay, people, so we are going to start things off with the new Guy Ritchie joint, Operation Fortune, Rue de Gure. Okay, so we have a new Guy Ritchie joint, which has just dropped, right? Operation Fortune, Rue de Gure. You know what I mean? It was um, directed by Richie, who co-wrote it with Marn Davis and Ivan Atkinson. Now, Atkinson and Richie, they produced the film along with Bill Block, Stephen Chasman, uh, and um, Jason Statham. It's executive produced by Thomas Zadra. Uh, Alex Sutherland, Robert Simmons, uh, Peter Heslop, Andrew Gulov, John Friedberg, Adam Fog Fogelson, Samuel J. Brown, co-produced by Siobhan Boys, uh, Max Keane, and Abby Mills. And it's line produced by Samantha Waits. Okay, we've got Christopher Brent Bensteed on music. Alan Stewart, cinematography. James Herbert edits the piece. Casting, we've got Daniel Hubbard. Martin John, production design. Art direction, Adam Fu. Nigel Evans, Erin Gayretti, Chloe Klista, and Denise Guturk Kubanabe. Set decoration is Sadif Ramazan Gulari and Neil Floyd with costume design from Tina Calivaras, hair and makeup, Uzgun Kelkos, Denise Stoker, Mares Lagan, Chloe Gibbs, Engin Derson, and Cecily Adadengvik. Our cast. Right, so... Orson Fortune is played by Jason Statham. Sarah is played by Aubrey Parza. Um, Nathan is played by Carrie Ewells. Greg, Hugh Grant, Danny, Josh Harnett, JJ, Bugsy Malone. Um, Knighton is played by Eddie Marsden. Mike is played by Peter Fernando. John Nicholas Basie, 
Amelia is played by Lourdes Fabres. Baca, Ian Bartholomew, Saul, Sam Douglas, Quasim, Ergun Koyachosh, Trent, Tom Rosenfall, Arnold, Oliver Maltman, Connors is Parker Sawyer, um, Alexander is Tim Safey, Dimitri Ayan Ergolo, Yiv Savas Ak. That's probably our, our main group of people, I would say. Now, the gist of the film is this. Right, super spy Orson Fortune must track down and stop the sale of a deadly new weapons technology wielded by billionaire arms broker Greg Simmons. Reluctantly teamed with some of the world's best operatives, Fortune and his crew recruit Hollywood's biggest movie star, Danny Francesco, to help them on their globe-trotting undercover mission to save the world so yeah there you go right this is one of them films that was meant to come out in 2022 but because of covid it got pushed back right it's hit some cinemas and in some places it's gone streaming like in the uk um i think another one of the delays was because our bad guys, well, some of the bad guys, not all of them, some of them are Ukrainian, right, and it's like, oh, because of the war, we can't, we don't want to show Ukrainians as being bad, when it's just like, it's a film, Some no one's going to watch this and go, oh, well, they deserve to be invaded, oh, fuck, that. it's a fucking piece of fiction, Right? That's the... It's one of the nutty things that happens, man. It's one of the nutty things that happen, you know? But, you know, it's now out. It's now out in the world, right? What I really did like, something I really did like about this film was the beginning, right? Because we've got um, Carrie Yules walking down the corridor, Right, we we've got um, yeah, he's uh, his character, Nathan, walking down the corridor to speak to uh, the head of yeah MI five or whatever the fuck it is, um, and while that's going on, there's all, in another place, part of the world, this big raid is taking place, and so you've got the contrast of these two scenes, this one man walking down the corridors of this old, venerable building, and then you've got this covert mission, people, black masks, it's the dead of night, going through, shooting people, being all spy-like, right? And it's all kind of framed by the, the sound of footprint. Footprints? Well, no. Footprints obviously don't make sound. Um, foot, footfalls, footfalls. What the fuck would you call it? Someone walking, right? The sound of someone walking. You're hearing him walking down the corridor. It's like, 
Obviously, that's not what it sounds like, but you know what I mean, people. But we have that sound, and then we've got these two scenes, and I thought that was done really well. I really enjoyed that opening sequence, you know what I mean? The rest of the film... Uh, the rest of the film... Well, 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 well. I mean, there's a lot of action, right? There's a lot of action. I There was some... Uh, fight scenes in a lift towards the end of the film, which I thought were done very well. I I enjoyed those. You know, what I mean, some of the other fight, some of the other action and stuff. I mean, it, it's. Uh, I mean, there seems to be a lot of navel gazing, right? What I mean is, we we have these moments where someone could do a thing, but. There's a there's that, that that period of time where they're taking pictures, as they say. You know what I mean? You're looking at someone else and oh, 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 oh. And then it's just like, hello, Mike. Hello, Orson. And then you're just like, do the pic. Like, you could have done the thing by now. But in, instead, we've got these weird, and they're just like, come on, man. It wouldn't go like that, right? Someone would just take a shot or run down the corridor or do a thing, you know? There's a lot of that, which I feel kind of interferes with the storytelling and the flow, right? It, it's, it's the action film that wants to be part comedy, part smart. You know what I mean? Doing all of those things, and it, it, it's fine, right? It's fine, but it's we've we've definitely seen sharper representations of that, and even from Richie himself, we've seen sharper representations. You know, it's just under two hours, right? Just under two hours. So I kind of felt. It could have been cut down, right? Especially at the end. Because there's a point where you think, okay, we could end there. And then they throw this other bit in, which is just, I don't even, I, 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 yeah, I didn't know the point. I didn't really see the point of it. Other than, right, it's kind of a way to go, look, there could be more, but. I am, it's just not needed, right? The The illusion of more is always there with this sort of film, you know? As long as certain people get out alive, you just think, yeah, they'll they probably do another one, right? It, it's one of those. Who knows if we will get more? You know what I mean? I don't know, man. I don't know. But, yeah, like, good. there's some... Decent acting here. There's definitely some decent acting, right? I thought Hartnett was very good, you know, as the movie star. I thought he did a great job. And everyone else is pretty solid. There's some bad accents. <laughs> There's some very bad. Like, I don't know what Hugh Grant was doing. You know what I mean? I don't know what he's doing. That was, that was not a great. The acting was solid. The accent, not so much. Not so much, right? But, um, yeah, I, I feel, if you remember, you know, we had, um, oh, actually, we were both Netflix, right? We had Red, Red Notice um, from last year, right? 
and I think it was six underground. I feel six under. I can't remember six actually. If six underground was twenty nineteen or twenty twenty, right? It was one of those though. But this is very much in the vein of those films. So I would say if you enjoyed those films, then Operation Fortune Ruse de Jeu will yeah. It'll be your thing, right? It, I mean, even stuff like The Gentleman or Wrath of, um, Wrath of Man, if you enjoy those, because they, they, you know, they're very much in the same vein, right? It, it, it's that those films trying to be self-aware, you know, trying to throw in the humor and, and just all of that, the way the scenes are chopped up, the action... You know what I mean? It, it does seem to be a, a staple of Richie in a lot of his films, you know? So, yeah, if those are your things, then I think Operation Fortune will work for you. You know, we've got stuff all over the globe during the night, during the day, you know, stealth, straight out shooting. Gary, it, it's your modern action film. Right? It's your modern action film. And as I said, look, it's not terrible. There's some good sequences here. There's some things that are, you know, enjoyable. But it just feels a little long. And, you know, we just, a lot of things happen where you're just like, what are we doing here? Right. It, it, you know, it all like this kind of stuff. It always reminds me of, I feel it's Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones Temple of Doom. Right. With uh, you've got the guy with the swords and he's like, oh, Indiana. Oh, and he just shoots him. Right. Because why would you do all this fancy shit when you're, tr you know what I mean? It's life and death. You, you're not doing it. And th th there's a lot of fancy shit where you're just like in those situations. Nah, you're just shooting, right? You're just killing. You know that the double crosses, you can see those coming. You know that there, there's going to be those happening. And you know the fate of most of the characters here, right? It, it's predictable in that way. But I think it's going to work for a lot of people. You know what I mean? So, yes, it is now out everywhere, so Operation Fortune, if that sounds like you, if you enjoyed Red Notice and Six Underground, then boom, people, go get you some. And people, next we have a new Shudder original, it is Kids the aliens. Okay, people, so coming to Shudder in the UK, Ireland, I feel probably Europe, this week is Kids v. Aliens. Okay, so this is the new film from Jason Esner, who co-wrote it with John Davis. Now, it's actually meant to be a spin-off from their 2013 um, 
segment on VHS2, right? I feel the segment was a slumber party attack. I think that's what it was called. Um, I believe it was. Slumber party, no, slumber party alien abduction. That was it, right? So, yes, it, it's meant to be a spin-off of that. I'm not sure if it is. I haven't seen it, but when I looked into what the other film is, it feels like it is different. <laughs> it's a little different. But, you know, who knows? It doesn't really matter, people, to be honest with you. Okay? It is produced by Mark Tetraut, Brad Miska, Jason Levangi, Josh Goldblum, and Rob Corterell. Executive boost by Adam Boostine, um, Michael Schraber. Associate produced by Alexandria McDonald. And project managed by Jeff Hoken. Andrew Gordon McPherson is on music. Matt Barkley, cinematography. Esna also edits. Aaron Hennessy handles the casting. Ewan Dixon and Michael Pearson, production design. Set decoration is Dominic Fegan and Jesse Stewart. Costume design is Victoria Dobson. Um, hair, makeup, special effects. We have Alan Cook, Sophie J. Cameron, Patrick Baxter, Kalila Cunningham, Kayla Dubalas, Sean Hunter, Steve Newburn, Casey C. Boyer, Adrian Stansfield, Anthony Velu, and Tony Warren, our cast. Well, we have got Gary, who is played by Dominic Marchi. His older sister, Samantha, is played by Phoebe Rex. Uh, Gary's friends, Jack, is played by Asher Grayson. Um, we got Miles, played by Ben Tetcher. Uh, da -da 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 I know there was another one. Hmm. Yeah, we're not getting all the listings, which is just kind of typical. Um, but anyway, there's Billy, also played by Callum McDonald. Uh, Trish, played by Emma Vickers. Um, Billy's best friend, Dallas, played by Isaiah Fortune. Um, there is Gary and Samantha's dad, played by Jonathan Torrens. And their mum, played by Caleb Allard. Uh, Jimmy is played by Ali Akbar Kamal and Noah. That's the other kid. Noah is played by Noah Rafus. Okay, so the gist is this Gary and Samantha's parents are out of town, leading to an all time rager of a teen house party, which turns to terror when aliens attack 
forcing the siblings to band together to survive the night. Which is, I mean, more kind of what happens here. Not quite, right? So we open up and we've got these kids make it. Like, well, we see, you know, kids running around fighting these dinosaur type things. And then you discover they're making a video, a film, right? Gary is directing and everyone's doing their parts and all of this. And then it culminates in a big wrestling match. Uh, because these kids are into wrestling, making movies, and, uh, you know, fantasy, right? Which, you know, seems typical things kids be doing, right? But some older kids break into their barn where they're shooting and it kind of spirals from there right now Gary and his friends we don't really know how old they are but they're young and I probably maybe 10 or something like that I imagine and his older sister Samantha we don't get an age but I'm imagining maybe 15 right Feel maybe 15. Um, because it seems that she doesn't have a boyfriend, she's you know, she's enjoying, she seems to have fun playing with her brother and his friends. So I kind of feel that she's not like she's not 18, you know. You feel 15 is the age where you're still, you know, what I mean, you're not being pulled by social norms and peer pressure into other things. So they're doing that. But, right, the, these kids who seem to, who I feel are the same age as Samantha, are now kind of teasing them. But the, the ringleader, Billy, is alluding to Sam that maybe he likes her. Right, which then the film kind of spirals. We get a house party and an alien attack. Oh, hmm. No, actually, I think it actually opens with a fish. Yes, I think it opens with fishermen, fishermen, dead of night, and then suddenly they're disappearing after a ball of light hits the water. But all of this is going on, you know. Now, there's parts of this film which I will say, right, you kind of know what's going to happen. It's a little telegraphed in places, right? But here's the thing. Where, because it's kids, you think, okay, we know where the story's going, how they're going to play it, all of this kind of jazz. Now, we do technically know where the story's going, but good thing about this is they don't always do the typical things in certain scenarios, right? People get killed, you know? We have people acting just how people would act. Because I think a lot of times in these sorts of films, you know, they're usually PG, 
So you have certain situations and then people say things and or do things and you're just like, nah. In that situation, you're going to be like, fuck, oh shit, oh fuck you, you know? But that doesn't happen. So it just makes everything feel a bit false. This one, nah, this one, they do all of that shit, right? We've got these little kids cursing, which, now, you don't want to go over the top with that kind of stuff. But also, you need to remember, these are kids of a certain age. The parents aren't around. So they're going to be mad reckless. And that's what we get here. We get mad reckless kids, you know. Uh, so all of that works. All of that works. Also, I think that this film does a really good job of imbuing the feel of something like the Goonies, right? Of one of those 80s flicks where you've got the kids banding together to go solve a problem, right? That's, that's what it does. It does that well. You know, you've got the older kids who are kind of the enemies, right? Doing just some bullshit stuff. And the other great thing is with this as well, you've got, there's a lot of times you've got the bad person who then relents and starts acting good and then everyone forgives them and blah, blah, blah. In this one, you've got a, a piece of shit person doing piece of shit things all the way through, right? And so you're like, nice, nice. I'm glad they went through with it. You know, because sometimes they people walk the line and they don't want to cross it. This one, they're just like, fuck it, we're doing this. You know, so all of that works very, very well. The special effects, well, it, it, it's one of those things, right? You've got places where the special effects are pretty good. Are pretty, there's a bit where they like these maggoty things were there and the face was melting. That looked pretty gory and like, ah. Now, the aliens themselves don't, ne when you see them fully in light, not the best. But where they work very well is when you are seeing the silhouette or it's night and there's a little bit of light lighting a little portion of them. So you're partially seeing them. Right when there's that obscurity, that's when they are very creepy and it works very well. When you can see them fully, mm, doesn't doesn't really work because look, it's an indie film, it's low budget, so obviously they're not <laughs> they're not using the Henson Company. You know what I mean to make these, right? <laughs> it's it's not that so. There's some limitations. Like there's a sword. It it, it looked like Shira's sword. I felt it looked like Shira's sword. Now it does look very plasticky and fake, right? So there's certain bits of effects that don't quite work when you're seeing them in the full light of day. But all the other stuff kind of counterbalances that. Right, kind of counterbalances it, 
And yeah, when you're in the dark and all of that, it's absolutely fine. Right? People's behavior works, though we do have that thing. Biz, I do feel when you're making stuff set in this day and age, with the access people have, right, you feel that they would have seen things. And especially when you're fans of sci-fi fantasy, right, you know calling people's names when you're trying to hide, not the best thing. If someone's trying to help you and bad guys aren't seeing them, keep your mouth shut. Right, but so there's some things that happen, you're just like, surely no, they they would I feel they would know better in that situation, right? But that does seem to be a staple of these kind of stories. But other than that, yeah, no, I I feel people that you know, recently we had um slashback, right? I feel if you like slashback you'll enjoy this. If you like those VHS anthologies, you'll like this, right? Um, Psycho Gorman. Now, Psycho Gorman is a stronger film, but if you enjoyed the whole kids, alien, that dynamic, then this will possibly work for you as well, right? So, um, yes, as I mentioned, it is out this week, UK, Ireland, Europe, Australia. So, um, yeah, people, if you've got Shudder and if you're a horror fan, I'm imagining you do, then this could be one for you. Okay, enjoy. Okay, people, and now we have got a um, adaptation of a Tom Holt book, right? It is The Portable Door. Okay, people, so Sky have just dropped a new original film, um, which is called The Portable Door. Okay, it is written, it's directed by Jeffrey Walker and written by Leon Fould. Um, the film is produced by dum, 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 Blanca Lister, Todd Fellman. Um, it is co-produced by Matt Pearson. It is executive produced by Brian Beckman, Matt Cohen, Laura Grange, Gary Hamilton, Ryan Hamilton, Lisa Henson, Andrew Coulter, Shana Levine, um, Christopher Lighton, Bryce Menzies, Kurt Rowan, Kalia Sokabi, Julia Stewart, Mitchell Williams, Ying Yi, and Elizabeth Zavayoski. 
and it's line produced by Stuart Wood. Benjamin Speed is on music. Donald McAlpine, cinematography. Jeff Lamb edits the piece. Ben Parkinson, casting. Production design is Matthew Putland. Art direction, we've got Doug Franks and Helen O'Lone. Justine Dunn is on set decoration. Um, yes, there's a load of people on uh, hair, makeup, and effects, so we won't go through that. But our cast, well, we have Paul Carpenter, played by Patrick Gibson. Sophie Pettigrew is played by Sophie Wilde. Um, Dennis Tanner is played by Sam Neill. Professor, Professor Van Spee is played by Rachel House. Um, we have Countess Judy played by Miranda Otto. Casimir Solizwich is played by Chris Pang. Right. Uh, Neville is played by Arkadaz. Rosie is played by Jessica Deagle. Mr. Roden, played by Chris Story. Delia Bryson, played by Lin Yin. Um, we have got Monty, played by Damon Harriman. Uh, we have got um, different iterations of Humphrey. So the 12-year-old Humphrey is played by Finn Treaky. And the 20-year-old Humphrey is played by Connor Treaky. Um, hmm. I think... Uh, well, Mrs. Dow is played by Deanna Lynn. Um, hmm. Oh, Arthur Tanner is played by Christopher Sommers. Rosie Tanner is played by Tori Webb. Uh, the receptionist is played by Vivian Abita. Do, do, do. Yeah, no, that is our, our main group of people. Oh. Humphrey Wells, of course, is played by Christopher Waltz. Yes. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, that is a, a, an omission for sure, for sure. Okay, so the gist of the story is um, the film centers around Paul and Sophie, lowly put upon interns who begin working at the mysterious London firm J.W. Wells & Co., and become increasingly aware that their employers are anything but conventional. Charismatic villains Humphrey Wells, the CEO of the company, and middle manager Dennis Tanner are disrupting the world of magic by bringing modern corporate strategy to ancient magical practices. And Paul and Sophie discover the true agenda of the vast corporate so, right, this is actually an adaptation of a 
book by the same name from uh, Tom Holt, right? There's seven books in the series. And actually, right, the first book, The Portable Door, is just over 20 years old, right? Came out early March 2003. Book seven came out in 2011. So I kind of have a feeling it would seem that the series is done. So there's plenty of material here if they want to take it further. And the way the film ends, you have a feeling that more would be made if this film, you know, because it is a success, right? Now, the film itself, you know, I think, um, yeah, the, look, it's a young adult film, right? The, the young adult books. I mean, if if you've read any Tom Holt stuff, he's kind of witty, right? He's witty. His books have a, a, a nice kind of beat to them. They move along nicely, right? They're not offensive. They, they you know, they work kind of easy reading kind of thing. Um, and this film, you can see that it's trying to encapsulate that. And, you know, right, It it's kind of, it's colourful, right, in the way they kind of set the tones. You know, everyone is has that shiny kind of look to them, right? We, we do do that thing. Um, so we're following, you know, Paul, right? And he, he's meant to be this hopeless kind of lovable geek. Right? That's the kind of character that they're, they're, they're giving him. And it's all well and good. He goes for an interview he gets distracted, ends up somewhere else where he meets Sophie. Things go awry, but obviously everything works out and he gets a new job, you know? So he's working in this company, which he has no clue what they do and all of this, right? And yeah, as he he's there things seem to unfold. Mysteries, knowledge, love, all of these things. It's fine, right? It's fine. I, 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 I feel there's a few things. There's a few things with this, right? Because we've got him being late for work and then rushing out. And, yo, if anyone anyone knows London during rush hour, right? That morning commute, it is a fucking nightmare. It's a straight nightmare, people, right? Especially if you're going in for nine o'clock. I oftentimes start earlier, right? I'll try and do an eight o'clock start. And even then, it is busy as hell. You know what I mean? But yeah, there's just, there was not enough people around for it to be anywhere believable. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? You're just like, yo, this is way empty, man, for London at first being in the morning, you know? But you've kind of set Paul up. So you get the feeling that he's probably early 20s, but he just seems really just dumb. You know what I mean? Because I think, look, there's creating a character who's maybe a little naive, right? Wants to just help everyone, but lets himself mad open to be taken advantage. You can do that. But there's simple things like, you know, we've got, well, firstly, it's just sitting down where there's no seat there. I'm just like, unless, you know what I mean? You can't see for shit. You're not doing that right it's his housemate not paying rent like there's simple things that you're just like oh, come on man like he, he'd be of an age where that's an issue because if someone's not paying rent he's not working how's the bills getting paid you know what i mean it, it makes no sense makes no sense because it's we're not saying he's got loads of money so how's anything getting paid on that front we also kind of get the feeling he's a bit inquisitive, but he starts work at this random place and it's all a bit like, okay. And the odd thing is kind of ass, but not really. Right? So you just think, nah, someone like that is going to be all over the place looking at looking for things. Right? Then once they discover like powers and things like that, it's not just like, oh, it's, oh, how does this work? Let me practice. Let me, you know what I mean? It would be doing all of these things to discover the full use and extent of. So it, it, it you know, it doesn't really make any sense when it's just like, okay, you know, like the whole portable door thing is weird, right? The portable door thing is weird for a few reasons. Him and Sophie are in an office which people can just come in and go from when they want. So you're like, if you are using this thing that no one's meant to know you have, surely you would set up a system or do it in a place where it's not going to be overly obvious, right? Because what if someone comes to the office and they're not there, right? It's just that, how are you explaining that? You know, there's all these things that make, you just think that makes no sense. Like you're not going out all day, you know? What would make sense being is, Sophie, meet me in the pub after work and then doing it after work but doing it during like it, it, it makes no sense and again no kind of what does this do right oh what does this do what are the ramifications here like there's all of these things that are just left in the blue at the beginning we see a dragon then the dragon's kind of forgotten about. 
all the rest of the film. It's mentioned towards the end, but that forgotten about. And you're just like, I I do not believe right, that there's this person who's going to do this thing. That makes no sense, right? There's just these things that go down that don't really make any sense, right? Paul and Sophie, them, it, it, that just seems rather forced, right? The, the whole nature of that relationship. And you just think, at least show us why. Because we, we, we have nothing, right? We don't really have them getting to know each other, right? We have them hanging out, right? Going to different places. But that's kind of it, right? We don't really have them getting to know. So it's just like, why would they? Right? Other than they both have started work on the same day at the same place. Right? That's not enough. It's not enough for us to believe in this thing. You know, that, that, that's the thing. It's just like the acting is fine. Like, there's no, particularly, there's no terrible acting. Right? It's just the script is just a bit one-dimensional. That's what it kind of feels like. It just feels very one-dimensional on the on the story. I mean, I should say, there's a story as a whole, right? The idea, you think, okay, yeah, no, that 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 could definitely work, right? Yeah, that's a that's a, not a bad idea. Ooh, a door that can take you all these places, and oh, a plot to do this bit. And you'd be like, okay, yeah, 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 I'm down with that. But it's just it it doesn't make any sense the way everything is unfolding, right? The fact that these people aren't looking to uncover any of these things, they're just like, oh, we have this, or, oh, we're here, and that is just like, oh, okay, right, you, you have him at this point, he does this thing, which he's not overly shocked at, but then he's jumping at these other things, which you kind of feel aren't as crazy as the first thing, so you're just like, wait, what, <laughs> how's he jumping at those, but not at that? Right? Everything is just way too clean and, and precise. Where you just think some things would be a bit more haphazard. Right? Some places would be dusty, which they are just not. You know? And then you just have the these MacGuffins, right? These dudes machinas all over the place where you're just like, you, you've just changed the laws. You've changed the laws of what this is meant to be to enable this one thing, which just feels cheap, right? It just feels like a cheap kind of conclusion when you're just like, ah, but surely, right, the characters should have to do this thing to do this thing, you know? And... Here's the thing, 
right? They get they they're given a task, right? They're like, oh, if you do this, this will do this, right? Which you're like, okay, that makes sense, right? And then you know, there's a confrontation and someone says a thing. And there's pause, but you're just like, yeah, but you know how to resolve this. So all you have to do is go do the thing and everyone is cool. But so why are you pausing? Right? Because we, you know how to resolve. So it's just like, what was he? Huh? Doesn't make any sense just to do this deuce macina thing. And you're like, ah, man. You know, ah, man, I don't know. I don't know. Right. I, I, I believe this is, it's a young, it's definitely a young audience film. You know, it's not offensive. You know what I mean? Like little kids will be like, oh, magic and blah, blah, blah. I like Harry Potter. This is like Harry Potter. Right. Well, I mean. I kind of figure if you enjoyed the School of Good and Evil, right, dropped um, last year. Yeah, I think that I filled up. Was that last year? I think it was last year. I'm losing track of time, people. For the School of Good and Evil, right, the next bit joint, which, again, based on young adult films, right, if you dig that, then I think this will work for you. You know, I, 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 I yeah, I, th I think it's like that. If you like Harry Potter, this will probably work. You know what I mean? Just the, the these kind of young adult type of things. <sighs> They're a little bit flimsy in the story construction. But yeah, if they work for you, then people, then the portable door will be your thing, you know, you can throw your kids down in front of it, they'll enjoy it, you know what I mean, they're not going to be shocked by violence or sex or swearing, no, none of that, so they can sit there and watch and, you know, then maybe buy them the book series, right, but if you want something a little more sophisticated, uh, you know what I mean? A little bit more weighty mm, might not be the thing. But it is now out. It's out and about. So, yeah, there you go, people. The portable door. And, people, we're going to end with this one. Just about to hit cinemas is a very intriguing new horror flick. It is Nefarious. Okay, people. So, my boy Henry hit me up with this new indie creepy-ass horror thriller. I don't know, man, but it's uh, it's interesting as fuck, right? It is called Nefarious, and it is from co-writers and directors Chuck 
Konzelman and Carrie Salomon. Uh, the film is produced by Sheila Hart and Chris Jones. It's executive produced by Dave Van Wick, John Sullivan, um, Bob Van Der Pleets, Dave Culture, um, but um, Steve Deuce, Robert Kramer, and Laurie Kramer, and line produced by Brandon Riley. Oh, I should also say that um, Chuck and uh, Carrie also produced the film along with uh, Hart and Jones. Brian E. Miller is on music, Jason Head, cinematography, Brian Jeremiah Smith edits the piece, Ricky Masler is on casting, production design is all Chris Rose and Chad Quick, art direction, we have Casey Crowdis, David Moline and Brandon Roy. Set decoration is Amy Teague. Hair and makeup, we've got Sharon Tab and Princey Patel. Uh, production management is Cedric St. Clair. And our cast, well, Sean Patrick Flannery is nefarious. Uh, Dr. James Martin is played by Jordan Belfi. Uh, we have got um, the assistant warden Anderson, played by Eric Hansen. Uh, got Dr. Stewart is played by Robert Peters. Um, we got Warden Moss, played by Tom Ulmer. Um, Father Lewis is played by Daniel Martin Berkeley. Uh, Melanie Carter is played by Maury Corsini. Rene is played by Tina Toner. Officer Campbell is Jeremy Miller. Uh, the prison guards are played by Ethan Millard. Um, John Kane. Do, do, do. We got Trusty Styles played by Cameron Arnett. The Gate Guard is played by James Healy Jr. Uh, Corporal Mendez is played by Sarah Mendez. Detective Russo is played by. Stelio Savant. Uh, Officer Wilson is played by Jarrett Limaster. Um, Dr. Fisher is played by Mark D. Alessandro. Uh, Sergeant Wilborn is played by Griffin Aldrin. Officer Grady is played by Darian. Molino. Yeah, I think that's it. Right. 
And the gist of the film is this. On the day of his scheduled execution, a convicted serial killer gets a psychiatric evaluation during which he claims he is a demon and further claims that before their time is over, the psychiatrist will commit three murders of his own. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. Imagine that. This film is, oh, there's, there's an edge to it. There is definitely an edge, right? We start off, we've got, um, you know, Dr. Peters, he's sitting at his desk, and you feel that there's something ominous happening, right? No, not Dr. Peters, Dr. Stewart, my bad, right? And, and we feel there's something ominous going to take place, right? But you can't quite put your finger on it, and then... <laughs> and then that, you know, whatever happens, happens. And you're like, oh, okay. Right. Next thing we know, we're at, um, we're following Dr. James Martin as he's going into the prison. So we're like, hmm. Right. He sits down and uh, Nefarious then gets into what he's about. And you're not quite sure, right? At the beginning, it's like, is this a manipulation, right? People can be crazy at that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to reference a film, but, you know, like Science of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter. Listen, I understand that's a made-up character, but we know. Like the these serial killers, like Jeffrey Dahmer, Fred West, all of these people, right? Charles Bronson, they say no Manson, Charles Manson, the Manson family, yeah, 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 yeah. No, they, they, they say these people, master manipulators, right, can convince you that the sky is yellow. So, you know. You wonder, is that what this dude is? Right? Is, is he just a manipulator? But over the course of the film, we see all of these different looks, which are masterfully, masterfully brought to life by Flannery. You know, a, a lot of this is Flannery and Belfi having these conversations and so it's up to them to portray so much with facial expressions and bodily body language you know tone of voice which they really do do a fantastic job of really do and especially when we have these different kind of uh Hmm, visitations, let's say. Flannery just really sells it, really sells it, which is just like, ooh. Now, like, an interesting thing, you know, that whole proclamation, 
you know, before you leave, you will commit three murders. Now, when you hear that, it is a bit like, I mean, like what's going to happen? Oh, are we going to see him go to the toilet and get into a fight? And oh, someone slips and they kill. Like, how is this all going to play out? Right. How is this going to be believable? The way that you know what I mean, the, the, these directors pull this off. Ooh. Oh, 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 my God. It is pretty fucking clever. It's pretty clever. Right. And before I forget, there is a statement, director's statement. Right. They say, when we were children, we were all told that there's no such thing as monsters. Well, that was a lie. There are monsters and they are very, very real. They don't look like monsters on TV or in the movies because you generally can't see them, at least not fully. What you can see is what they do. These monsters tempt and corrupt. They control and they destroy their enemy and their prey. It's us. They are the fallen angels, the demonic host, the denizens of hell, those who were cast out of heaven and in their bitterness and anger seek to forever destroy all that is good. Inspired by Steve Deuce's invention of a master demon named Lord Nefarious, we began to wonder what it would look like if someone sat down to have a conversation with such a demon. And what it would sound like if, for reasons of his own, that demon decided to speak the absolute truth from his point of view. What would be the dynamics of that? That's what this movie is about. If we've done our job right, then after watching this film, you'll be convinced of the idea of a personal supernatural force of evil who drives the evils of this world. What you decide to do with that knowledge will be up to you. God damn. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. That's not something nice, right? You don't want to put that out to people. Oh, boy. It is a, a, a definitely, you know, interesting what they've done. As I say, they, they've created this reality, this notion. And the conversation, right? You think, oh, is it going to be someone making all of these claims? But it's actually balanced in a way where, you know, when you look at it, it's like, I mean, that that's a fair comment, right? Or... Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess doing that thing could, you know, there are people that would call you this thing, right? Or what are the actions? Because, you know, people oftentimes act all pious, you know, act all holier than now. And then when you look at the things they're doing, it's just like, yeah, that's real shitty. That's a real shitty thing to do. So we're seeing a 
very different side of old Dr. James Martin here, which does make it interesting. You know, there's a, definitely a couple of things that come out that make you kind of go, ooh. And it is played, again, really well, right? Because I think it's the way we look at these actions that we do, you know, that you can justify yourself, right? Why something makes sense or why you were in your, um, you know, good mind to do that thing. And that's what we see, those justifications. But when you're outside looking in, you can go, hmm, I don't really wash. Or do you really believe that? Right? So it makes this fascinating. Oh, man, it really does. Just, you know, all the way through, you know, and oh, the end right, when we, well, cut towards the end, right, what Flannery has to do with his body to portray this one incident is pretty, it's crazy, man, like, to be able to do that, to sell this experience, because, you know what I mean, it, it, you kind of feel, mm, None of us are going to really know what that feels like, right? You can probably have watched tape, but do you really want to watch tape of that? It, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's done very well. It's done very well. And then we have uh, th this end sequence, which it, it does... <laughs> Right, there's a bit where you're kind of going, huh, but isn't this what the ask was, right? Have you, like, aren't you just doing this thing? And then this whole chilling moment happens. It's, uh, yeah, very well done. Very well done. I, I, I will definitely say, look, if you're a fan of, you know, these kind of films, then I think Nefarious is going to speak very well to you. There is a definitely a film on Shudder that I think is a, a, a good kind of um, reflection of what this is. And I would say if you liked, uh, I feel it's the clean, cleansing season. I believe that's what this film is called, The Cleansing Season, right? If you enjoyed that film, then I think Nefarious is going to work very well for you. You know, different, but there's similar... There's similar tonal, you know, movements. So, yes, I mean, I've... I, I, I would definitely put those two. I mean, that would make a double header for sure. That would de I mean, hey, I want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, fuck, man. You'll come out just being like, yo, <laughs> I need <laughs> I need to watch the Care Bear movie. You know? <laughs> but yes, I, I, I think if you're a fan of that, that kind of stuff, then... Uh, 
this oh, the cleansing i think it's a cleansing hour not cleansing season the cleansing cleansing hour but uh yes people nefarious is definitely one to watch it's definitely one to watch but i think um yeah <laughs> be prepared <laughs> right be prepared to be kind of shook you know what i mean Def definitely do that, people. Don't don't go into these things all willy nilly, right? Well, I'd say watch it during the day as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> watch it during the day. Have your peoples around you, you know. <laughs> like, I, I feel my friend Sarah is going to very much enjoy this film because she's some crazy ass that really loves this shit. <laughs> Woo! so people 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 um yeah you can go watch it in the cinema which is definitely i feel a good thing right because if you're watching it in the cinema you're around people you know you're around people so hey you might not know them but i mean i feel that brings a level of comfort you know what i mean i feel that brings a level of comfort so, uh, yes, it's going to be hitting cinemas. So, um, you know, hey, why not, right? Why not go and uh, frighten the shit out of yourself? So, yes, there you go. Nefarious. Woo. Very, very sinister. <laughs> Okay, people, so as we draw to a close on another episode, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film, shall we? Uh, so we know, right, we're getting a new Bad Boy film, right, Bad Boys 4. Um, the main cast are back, and now we know who will be playing the villain this time out right we have got eric dane yep he will be on board right he's gonna be um as i said he's gonna be joining um will smith martin lawrence along with vanessa hodgins and paula nunez um along with alexander ludwig right the film is Directed by Adil um, El Arbi and Balau Falaf, and written by Chris Brenner. So, uh, yeah, there we go with that one. Um, Universal Pictures uh, are uh, doing a film of um, Alexandra Bracken's uh, book called Law. I do believe it's a, a, a series. Um, but yeah, it's going to be um, written by Joe Sh Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse, produced by Amy Pascal. Right. Um, so the gist of the story is uh, there's a, a thing called Aegon. 
a divine hunt that occurs every seven years as punishment for a past rebellion by nine Greek gods who are forced to walk the earth as mortals and be hunted. One young woman chooses to enter the Aegon to avenge her family's death with the help of a childhood friend and the goddess Athena. So, um, yep, we have that. Um, now, we know that Joseph Koninsky has got a Formula One-based um, film happening at Apple, right? It's going to be um, starring uh, Brad Pitt and Lewis Hamilton is involved, right? Aaron Kruger is writing the script. Uh, and now we know that Damson Idris is also joining uh, this one, which will be interesting, um, especially if uh, Hamilton's in it, right? Because he's the only black friggin' driver in the sport, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, be interesting to see what they do. Uh, Lilo is Stitch, right? We're getting a film, live action film adaptation of that. And Billy Magnuson has joined the cast, right? Along with Zach Galifianakis and Maya Kaloa. Okay. It's being directed by Dean Fleischer Camp. So uh, we've got that one. It's written by Chris Keka Nakalani Bright. Um, and also got some news on the Takawatiti soccer film, Next Goal Wins, right? Which has changed its release date. Right? It was originally planned for the 22nd of September. Now it will be opening in cinemas on the 17th of November. It's starring Michael Fassbender, Elizabeth Moss, Will Arnett, David Fane, Balua Kalau, Oscar Knightley, and Leia Falapananananana. Okay, and we have the national football team of American Samoa and their coach, Thomas Rongun, as they try to transform from a Panut. Perennial ooh, Losers into a FIFA World Cup qualifying Outfit So uh, yes that is Coming you know what I mean? um, so, Like the Story sounds like a Cool runnings type of thing so we'll see You know what I mean? we'll see what they do with that Right Now We've got a new Netflix flick Coming Based on Georgie's Ahmad's book, right? Um, which, you know, has come to the big screen before. Uh, you know, Stephen Fritkin um, did a version. William, even Stephen, <laughs> sorcerer. Right back in 77, and um, we also had uh, 
Henry George J's um, version called Cluets, right? Which was a, a French adventure um, in 53. So, yes, Netflix are, you know, bringing a new version to the screen. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with this one. Um, yeah, so the, it's being directed by Julian Lecluc. Um, and he's co-writing it with Hamid Hilua. Right? Uh, it's going to be starring Franak Gastambid. Alban Luni, Anna Girardot, and Sophine Zemani. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with this. Uh, so, right, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, Ant-Man, Quantumania. You know, they're both in the cinema. And, uh, yes, if you weren't able to see them there, then you might be happy to hear, right, that their POV dates have been set, right? Okay, so, uh, Shazam will be coming, uh, Shazam is coming on the... 18th of April, I believe, and Ant-Man is coming on the, no, 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 that is wrong, god damn it, no, okay, so, (laughs) Um, I think, actually, I think they're both coming on the 16th of April. I don't know. This is very difficult to read. Um, yeah. They're both coming. 16th of April. Um, now, also, uh, Creed has... What's the date for Creed 3? Mm, don't know. Okay, 25th of April is Scream 6. Dungeon and Dragons is coming mid-May. Um, and supposedly Super Mario Brothers will be coming on the 9th of May. So there we go with that. Um, and talking about the screen team, Radio Silence, right? They have got a new film coming, which will be Dracula's Daughter. Um, maybe. Tentatively silent, called that. Right? It might, that might change. But it centers on a group of kidnappers who abduct a band of young people, one of whom ends up being Dracula's daughter. Mm-mm-mm. So, um, it's written by Stephen Shields and Guy Buzik, 
Right, so we'll uh, see what happens with that one. Okay, now, Deadpool 3. We know it's happening, right? And we know a lot of people are returning to the franchise, right? So we've got um, Karan Sony and Leslie Ugams. They're back. Um along with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, right? And now we know, um, well, Emma Corrin and Matthew McFadden, they're on the cast, and Marina Bassarin and Stefan Kapiak are also coming back. Right, as um, Vanessa, Wade's girlfriend, and Colossus. So, uh, yeah, the band is getting back together, it would seem. All right, Sean Levy is directing, and Paul Wernick and Wright Reese will be writing the script along with Zeb Wells. Okay. Uh, so yeah, interesting. I'm, I am a little intrigued, right? I'm, I wasn't a huge fan of the Deadpool films, but I'm keen to see how they tie it into the MCU as a whole, you know what I mean? Right, and talking about the MCU, we know Blade is coming, right? And, um, you know... Yan Damange has come on board to um, direct with Michael Starbury writing this new version of the script, right? Um, we know Michelle Ali is playing Blade, and now Mia Goff has joined. No clue on what her role will be, right? Um, you know, yeah, I, I have no clue. I know they've introduced Blade's daughter in the comics. So, but I don't feel that that will be the role. I don't know if Whistler has a daughter, you know, be interesting to see what happens there. Maybe she's a vampire. Who knows? Hmm. Well, people, last week, it was a weekend even, it was a Star Wars celebration, right? And a few things were announced, you know what I mean? Like, uh, the, the timeline for, well, in which they're going to be playing in, right? So... It says that it's happening in nine different eras. Dawn of the Jedi, the Old Republic, the High Republic, Fall of the Jedi, Rise of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, the New Republic, Rise of the First Order, and the New Jedi Order. Which sounds pretty vast, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah. We know also that, um, oh, what's Homie's name? Dave Flalini, right? Dave Flalini has a film coming, 
and so does James Mangold. Woo! Along with the Shaman Obad Chini, which one that we knew about. So, um, yeah, Mangold's film is going to explore the first Jedi to use the Force and will be set in Dawn of the Jedi, right? Which they say is 20,000 years in the past. And Flamini's film is around the escalating war between the Imperial Remnant and the New Republic, right? And that one is going to be encompassing the TV shows like The Mandalorian, Akuska, Boba Fett, all of that kind of jazz, which is very intriguing. Now, what is really intriguing that the um, the next film, the new jet, which they're calling um, the, the timeline the new Jedi Order. Is this is the film from uh, Shaman Obadchini, right? Now the crazy thing is, it's starring Ray, right? Which means Daisy Daisy Ridley is going to be back. And in the past, Daisy Ridley has been like, I'm done with Star Wars. So that's real kind of interesting. So it sounds like she will be ushering the Jedis back into existence, which I know if, if is believable. Because at the end of the last film, she didn't, wasn't in control of her powers. Now, I believe this film is 15 years after that. So, you know, there is time, but I don't know if that's 15 years, you could call someone a master, you know what I mean? But, yeah, I am intrigued. I am intrigued, people, okay? But let's end with this, because Cannes is coming, right? It's taking place on the 16th to the 27th of May, and, uh, yeah, a lot of stuff has been announced right so um we have got many films right in competition films we have got atomini de zune shoot by justin trett asteroid city by wes anderson by now it adama by ramanata toluzi c club zero by jessica Husna, Fallen Leaves by Aki Kurzake, Firebrand by Kirim Anubs, um, Ulsu del Avenue by Nani Moretti, uh, Genesee from Wang Bing, Kira Utla Ustun, um, by Nuri Bilj Silan, Let Dieu from Catherine Brelat, La Kimara from Alice Rowaka, um, May December from Todd Haynes, Monster from Kor Eda Hirozaka, Perfect Days from Wim Wenders, 
Rapito from Marco Bellachocchi, The Old Oak from Ken Loach, The Zone of Interest from Jonathan Glazer, um, La Passion de Duan, uh, Buffant from Tran An Hong, Lee Kamara. Oh, yeah, we did that one. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Um, also, during the things, we're going to have some special screenings. You know what I mean? Um, so, those special screenings will be Temps. Um, oh, no. Anes Anzalum, right from Win Wenders. Man in Black from Wang Bing. Occupied City from Steve McQueen. And Retratos Fantamas from Kleber Menduka Filio. And there will be some premieres. Right, so um, Bonard Pierre et Mafi from Martin Provost. Zia Los Objos from Victor Irish. Kubi from Takashi Kitano. And Le Temps d'Amir from Kittil Quilavu. Right, that's happening. Now, outside competition is The Idol from Sam Levison. Cobweb from Kim Ji Won. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon from Martin Scorsese. And Indiana Jones, The Doll of Destiny from James Mangold. Right, which has been um, reported to be the longest film in uh, the um, Indiana Jones era. Right, they're saying it's going to be 142 minutes, which, you know, I don't think it's anything too crazy. It's only 15 minutes longer than the previous, so nothing crazy there. But, um, yeah, there you go, people. If you're looking forward to cans, that's what we'll be showing. Okay, so until next time, people, enjoy your film watching. All right, peace. Thank you.